This episode of Moon Tower Business is brought to you by your local State Farm agent, Alejandra de la Torre. Alejandra's team has amazing customer service, knowledgeable staff, and super competitive pricing. They also have a very convenient location in Round Rock, located at 2200 North A.W. Grimes Boulevard, Suite 500. Alejandra's team is bilingual, and they have over 52 years of combined experience in the insurance industry. Alejandra's team is very friendly and helpful, and they always go the extra mile. They even have after-hours emergency availability. So please call Alejandra's State Farm team for all of your insurance needs, whether it's auto, home, life, or business. Their telephone number is 512-244-3311, or you can see their website at www.alexdelatorre.net. Welcome back, everybody, to the Moon Tower Business Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Obel. And today I'm speaking to Omar Alvarez, who is the co-founder and COO of Symbiosis. Omar, welcome. Hi, Joseph. My pleasure being here. Yes, sir. Thanks for being here, Omar. Um, maybe we can get started. You can just kind of introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your background. Of course. Yeah. So, well, uh, my name is Omar Alvarez. I'm from Mexico. I've been here in Austin for almost two years now. And well, I started as an entrepreneur for about 10 years now. And I started with my first company there while I was still in college. And it was more like a fair trade company for coffee producers, small producers back in Mexico and helping them reach like a bigger market. And then I moved to, to software. Uh, I started uh, another company that was more like the Airbnb, but for students back in Monterrey, Mexico, given that uh, Monterrey, um, they, they get a lot of people from all other states and even from other countries all, all the time, given that they have a, a lot of good universities there. So we started building that company. We failed. <laughs> it was like our first attempt to, to build something uh, in the, in the, on the tech side. And then after that, about Five years ago, I started, uh, I, I co-founded a hardware company called Omnius, where we they ended develop advanced materials for regulating the body's temperature. Um, and that, that company is still active. Uh, they are also uh, moving really, really fast in the market. They're l- launching new products uh, at this time. And uh, I left that company about two years now, and I started Symbiosis. That's my most recent project. I'm on uh, right now. It's a software marketplace for hiring talent from Latin America. So yeah, that's kind of my short background here. That's awesome. So the the company you talked about a little bit ago that that didn't end up working out. I guess what kind of lessons did you learn from that that helped you? You know, bring these other companies to fruition. Of course. So well, first thing is that uh, you have to validate the market, right? Like you have to do all the research before starting to build anything. And that was like a, a hard way uh, for us to learn it because we build a product and we actually hire, well, we invite a software engineer to become partner at, at that point as a CTO. 
And he helped us build the first version of the product. And we launched to the market. We started reaching out to, to people after we had the, the, uh, the product uh, built. And people were like, eh, it's interesting. But if you're charging a fee, we tried to charge like a subscription for them to, to join us. And they told us like, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't think that, uh, that it's going to work. So, so they try to continue. Uh, I don't know, like uh, they post their 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 places on other on the newspaper and stuff like that. So they continue the old way, and and it was like a big shock for us because after I don't know, like six months working on that, we realized that we 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 were not building like any traction so far. So we decided that it was time to move on, and also we were still a student, so. Given that you have to focus on your school at that point, and it was like a side project, so eventually, uh, yeah, uh, we we decide not to continue with, with that project. Well, that's a good lesson you learned there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so um, you went to school in uh, Monterrey, and then you also were a startup mentor uh, in Monterrey. Can you talk a little bit about the the, tar- the startup tech scene in Mexico and in Monterrey generally? Yeah, of course. So yeah, um, I went to 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 ITESM or Tech de Monterrey, which is one of the top universities uh, in the in the region, not only in, in Mexico but also in South America, and um, they are all focused on entrepreneurship as well. So they they try to to always stress out how important it is to start your your own company while you continue when, when you're studying because that helps you to learn. A lot of things quickly and then you decide you want to pursue a career in a company or if you want to continue with your own projects right so uh i i, I entered the business incubator there in in tech de monterrey and during my four years uh my, while studying my career um i learned a lot from mentors there and i learned how to how to launch products to the market how to validate it with other users uh and then after i i, I finished the school in 2015 i joined the incubator as a mentor and i started helping other entrepreneurs fellow entrepreneurs to to build uh, i was specializing the software uh, development uh side so i helped them how to how to define the technologies that they will use the process how to estimate the time and cost that it will take them to to build their product how to partner with a third party agency for example or to to invite a, a CTO to join their their team so yeah those I'm still a mentor there all all these things are virtual right now you know also given the pandemic and stuff but uh, so yeah, I, I always love to to talk with entrepreneurs about the tech scene. I feel like it's growing really, really fast. Uh, I don't know if I if I recall correctly, about six years ago, we were st- uh, still on baby steps there because uh, funding access to funding is not quite good uh, back in Mexico. We don't have like many angel investors or LST stage VCs. Uh, so we have to we have to bootstrap as much as possible, you know, in in that in that matter. And once you get good traction, then you can move and ask for funding in in Mexico. So I believe that now things are changing a bit, and there are are more angel investors, and there are also VC uh, funds from from here from from the US that are now looking to Latin America, they are now looking to Mexico, and they are opening accelerators like uh, five hundred startups. 
They have their office also in Mexico City now. They're investing in companies. So I feel like things are moving for, um, are moving forward uh, back in, in, in the region. So yeah, we can hope that things get better soon. Very good. And so, so in Mexico, do you see kind of uh, similar like investment funds, like venture capital funds? And then like, are there angel networks kind of situated similar to what you see in the United States as well? Yeah, but not as strong uh, as, as we have here. Uh, because uh, like I mentioned, uh, I believe that there's still the traditional way to invest in companies that are more like not tech startups, but more like a, a, a normal business, right? Like a restaurant, like a coffee shop and stuff like that. So it's more like I will invest in your company, but if uh, I want my my return uh, on, on investment, maybe in two years or three years. So they want to invest in things that are more safe in a certain way, just for, for speaking on that. Uh, but I believe that uh, a lot of uh, angel investors now are, are learning about how to use the convertible notes, how to use the saves and stuff like that, the, the instruments that are well known here. And now they are more open to, to, to take that risk in, on investing in tech companies. So, yeah, I believe that we're still in baby steps there, but we're moving forward. Gotcha. So uh, next question I have is, so when did you, when did you launch uh, Symbiosis and what inspired you to do that? Okay, so we started with Symbiosis about two years ago. And what happened there is that uh, we started as a software development company that offered uh, nearshore services uh, to companies here in, in the U.S. Uh, we have a commercial office in, in Austin and our headquarters were based in Monterey. And what we did is that um, we were used to have at least one or two of our engineers unassigned to any project uh, every month. And this happened because normally you assign when you when you land a big project, you assign all your developers to that project, and when that when uh, that project ends, um, you so maybe you're not able to assign all the the engineers you have to other new projects. So you keep at least for one month, uh, one or two unassigned engineers doing like bench time, and that uh, it, that generates a, a lot of cost uh, for you because you still have to pay their salaries. So we were struggling uh, a bit with that. And, and we realized that maybe former clients uh, could be also interested in hiring them uh, under a flexible model, meaning like every month they decide if they want to continue or not. So we reached out to them and we asked them and it was like, hey, yeah, we're, we're actually looking to hire someone for three months. And then we, the, we assigned uh, the, the available engineers we had uh, to them. And we asked ourselves, Maybe this is something that is going on with other companies in the region, you know, and in Monterey, maybe other software development companies are facing a similar problem. So we reached out to them and we, we asked them and they, they all told us like, Hey, we, we, we have at least one uh, engineer doing bench time and it would be great if we can assign them to you guys. So that's when we start building our platform, Symbiosis, in order to provide this bridge that connect all the high demand the high-tech talent demand that we have in the U.S. with all the infrastructure and resources and talent that we have in, in South America and in countries like Mexico, Argentina, Colombia, and Brazil. So that's how it started. And, and then we got accepted to the Capital Factory Accelerator here in Austin, and that helped us a lot to, to reach out to other funders and ask for feedback. And then they told us, hey, we're actually hiring right now. And that helped us to spread the word about our company and the community. So yeah, that's great. And can you talk a little bit about how you, how uh, 
you know, what the company has done through Capital Factory and what kind of resources that you were able to benefit from? Of course. Yeah, uh, I believe that the network uh, that Capital Factory provides is very, very strong and it's very, very useful. Uh, since we, we, we entered there last March 2020, uh, right before the pandemic. So it was the perfect timing in a certain way because it all turns virtual and uh, we, we were able to have meetings with a lot of mentors. And that helped us to understand the U.S. market uh, really, really well, because it is very, very different from from markets uh, in other countries, right? Uh, when we started back in Mexico, our first 10 clients, they all came from Monterrey, from Guadalajara, from Mexico City. And they, they were all uh, early stage startups uh, with minimum funding, and they were looking to save as much capital as possible. And once we enter uh, to Capital Factory Accelerator, we start realizing that it was important to reach out to a, a bigger market, maybe mid-sized companies that already raised their Series A uh, from a from a VC, and they need to hire fifteen or twenty software engineers for the rest of the year. So they they need to source that talent from 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 from, from a particular place. So. They they try and and what we we learn is that it's important to define that niche because the message that you send to them it's it's going to be very very different than the message that you will send to any other type of customers that that you may have eventually right as the as the company continues to grow so uh, the capital factory accelerator helped us a lot on that to define the the market strategy and also some of the mentors there are former entrepreneurs that already raised. I don't know, like $60 million of funding. So, so they all know how to raise money as well, how to talk with investors. Also, uh, the Capital Factory has a very strong network of uh, early stage VCs and angel investors. So it was very, very useful for us to reach out to them and get intros to talk with them. And they all ask for more traction. That's something that always happens. But uh, it is great to know. And, it's, and, you know, like fundraising takes time. So it is great to to get to know each of uh, uh, those investors, talk with them, and maybe after four months or five months talking with them, they will um, feel um, sure that it is a good uh, time for for them to invest in your company. Very good. Yeah, I mean, I've heard nothing but good things of uh, startups that have uh, gone through Capital Factory, and and that's great to hear. Um, So in terms of... um, you know, software engineers uh, as a service to to startup companies. How big is the market that you're looking at? Well, it's a it's a very good question, uh, Joseph. In this case, looking to some 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 facts, uh, the the remote work industry is around eighty four billion dollars globally, right? So, and it's growing on a fast rate. And now with uh, with the pandemic, with COVID, uh, we realize that now more than ever. It's, it's very, very important to be open to hire people from from everywhere, right? Like if it makes sense to you and if uh, if these engineers are qualified and they, they are able to provide the talent that you require, go ahead and hire them. You know, it doesn't matter if they are located uh, in, in another country. Um, and one of the main things that we have and we're focusing right now is that it is important to work under your same time zone. Uh, we have learned from other clients that told us uh, that they have outsourced talent from India or Eastern Europe or from other countries. 
And they have realized that working on different time zones is quite challenging, given that uh, if you have a silly question, you have to wait one day in order to get an answer and stuff like that. So if you hire someone uh, from South America or from Mexico, uh, they're, they are always in your same time zone. And also you can fly there and meet with the team and then go back uh, in the same day, you know, like it's, it's very, very uh, easy on, on, that, on that matter. And I, I really believe that it's a big trend that, I don't know, maybe in a couple of years, this, this COVID uh, thing helped us to move faster towards that, that direction. But I feel that um, eventually, maybe in two or three years, I don't know, more than 60% of the jobs will be remote. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that that will happen. Those are some really good selling points, honestly. I mean, I've, I think I told you earlier, I've worked on a, a couple startup companies and uh, we outsourced part of the, the projects. You know, one uh, part of it was to India, another part was in China. And just like you said, being in the same time zone, you have to wait sometimes for, for a while to get an answer. And then like sometimes you wish you could just, like you said, just jump on a plane and, and meet the people that you're dealing with and, and try to work things through, uh, you know, more efficiently and sometimes you can't just jump on a plane and go to India or China you know what I mean and exactly. to go to Mexico it's it's not that difficult as it would be to go to some other place like that mm-hmm. yeah I, I I agree on that part and I believe that um, also one one advantage that we have is that in our case what we're doing at Symbiosis is that we're reaching out to top software agencies in in, in the region and that have previous experience working with U.S. clients and that's a huge plus because all their developers are fluent in English. Uh, they have previous experience working in the U.S. or in Canada. So they, they know how to work remotely. And that's that's a key differentiator there. And the other thing is that you're not dealing with freelancers. Uh, sometimes uh, we have learned from our own experience and also listening to, to customers that they tell us like they hate working with freelancers because the lack of commitment, the lack of accountability. Sometimes you don't, you don't get to, to have a full-time freelancer that are working multiple projects at the same time. And once the project is done, if you try to reach out to them, sometimes they don't respond to you again. So you have to hire another engineer and start over and stuff like that. So well, and in our case, you're hiring an engineer that is already working. It's already an employee at a, at a top software agency uh, specialized in certain technology, front end, back end. And, and otherwise, they wouldn't be available for you. These are senior developers that are top developers that are really, really good, but they happen to be available because they just finished a project and they have uh, that a small time frame where they are available. And but we have like hundreds of them uh, at the same time, right? So it is a, a a very easy way to access to to the great talent under a flexible model. And and um, I mean, in in this way, you decide every month you decide if you want to continue or not. So that's very helpful for startups that maybe they just need to reach a certain milestone or a deadline, and they need to boost their tech team for six months or one year. And afterwards, they don't need to have such a strong uh, workforce and they can release those engineers back to their original company. So that's kind of the, the model that we're uh, building here. Gotcha. And so so the uh, the pricing, I mean, you don't have to give me details or anything, but just generally mm-hmm. speaking uh, for like the revenue model, 
uh, ideally like a startup company would come to you or hire you and get like a membership subscription, like a monthly subscription. And then uh, depending on the size of the, 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 the task or project, I guess the pricing is set. Well, in this case, how model works is that you as a startup will hire an engineer and it will become an extension of your team. It will be a full-time engineer assigned to your project and you will pay their salary. It's like uh, you'll pay this monthly basis salary. Uh, for example, let's let's put a, a, an idea here: a mid-level engineer, meaning three plus years of experience working on React or Node, for example, will cost you around four thousand to six thousand dollars. That's uh, lower than it's from twenty-five dollars to thirty-seven dollars per per hour, right? And it's a full-time uh, employee. And if you need to hire someone and that uh, is a senior developer, five plus years of experience uh, full time, it will cost you around, it, it's an average, but it will cost you around from $6,000 to $8,000 per month. So we're talking uh, less than $45 per hour. So, and, and you're getting someone that uh, has maybe 10 years of experience working in the technology that you need. Uh, they are they are used to work under Scrum methodology for the agile uh practices so um that's kind of the, the model so you you're not hiring someone to develop your product and like uh, under a scope it's more like you're hiring the developer like for an in-house role but with, with all the benefits of having them uh assigned to another company you know in, in that matter that makes sense that's awesome that's great and so you said um you know uh a, a big portion of them were of the software developers uh, that you have were in Mexico, but what other countries uh, are these are folks lo- located in? Right. So right now we have a little bit over 32 partner uh, software agencies across the, the continent. And most of them, I'm talking about 80% are located in Mexico, but we do have partners also in Argentina, in Colombia, in Chile, and Uruguay. Those are the countries that we have right now. Very good, very good. And and like I guess is this ongoing? Are you going to consider other other countries in uh, in in your process? Yeah, that that's right. Uh, the, the way that we 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 do that process for inviting companies to join our, our platform is that we vet them. Uh, we 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 reach out to them and we realize if they are specialized in a certain technology. We we have an interview with them and we review all the, the previous projects that they have built, if they have their own portfolios that they can show us and how big is their company, how many developers they have. And after after that process, we invite them to, to join. Uh, and then what happens there is that these companies, when we get a project and we have a startup that uh, posts a project, right? That it's looking for a specific technology for a specific developer and they post that project on our platform, all these partners that meet those requirements and are below the budget, they apply apply to to that project. And so sometimes if we we see that we don't have many partners applying to to that project because maybe the technology is very specific. Then we reach out to other partners. We we look for more partners in other countries and we reach out to them and say like, hey, we have a, a Scala project here, uh, enhanced, right? So then uh, they uh, that, that that happened recently. We invited a company from Uruguay, which is specializing in Scala with uh, the Play framework, and they start posting uh, their their candidates for 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 that project. And yeah, it, it was it was fun on that side. That's yeah. excellent, excellent. Um, so I guess can you give a, 
a kind of a general example, and you, you, again, you don't have to go into too much detail or, or give too, uh, sensitive information, but uh, just kind of a, a normal example of, of a client of yours, um, mm-hmm. what you typically see, like XYZ company comes to you and says, here's this project, and what's mm-hmm. the nature of the project, and, and you know, how long does it typically take, et cetera? Correct. So what happens here is that once uh, a startup reach out to us and feel, uh, they, they fill out a form that we have on our website uh, establishing uh, the technical profile they're looking for and also setting the monthly budget, they will say, like, for this role, uh, we only have $6,000 per month tops, right? And that's it. Uh, all the developers that, uh, that our partner agencies will present uh, will be below that uh, that budget that that amount so uh, after that the client gets uh, access to a dashboard where they where they can review all the profiles that these companies are. so they can review them and then decide which one to interview uh, from from that pool and uh after the interview uh, a couple of engineers uh, they decide which one to hire and they can hire to our platform sign the, the legal documents there and then they will make the payments inside our platform, which is very, very helpful because it doesn't matter where the engineer is located. If it's located in Argentina, in Mexico, in Brazil, you will always pay to our platform and we use Stripe. You will pay in US dollars. So you forget about the different currencies and stuff. And um, then you, every month you decide if you want to continue or not. So it's very, very practical. It's very useful uh, for, for, for these, these startups. And that's how, how the model works. Uh, this engineer will be assigned to your team. Normally, these companies already have a CTO and maybe a couple of software engineers in-house, and they just need to boost their tech team with extra force uh, there. So they hire a couple of engineers using our model. They finish the project in six months or eight months normally, and then they release those, those, uh, those engineers. We have a couple of companies that after hiring their first engineer, Maybe a couple of months later, two or three months later, they hire a second engineer, and now they have uh, a third or a fourth engineer uh, hired through us. So that's kind of uh, a very interesting approach because they are able to start increasing their workforce on demand as they need. And one thing that our model provides is after one year working through us, they can offer a deal to the to the engineers so they can become an in-house employee. So it's a, a certain way to try the engineer out before, uh, evaluate, uh, evaluate their performance, and then decide if you want to hire them or full-time uh, in-house in your company uh, afterwards. Excellent. That's a great model. Mm-hmm. Um, so you talked a little bit about where the, where the software engineers are located. Uh, geographically, where are your uh, client companies located? Okay, so well, our client companies are more mostly located in in Texas. Uh, we have more more clients here in Texas, also in New York, and we're exploring uh, in, in in also San Francisco as well. We have reached out to some other software agencies, and it's an interesting model because some uh, software agencies in in the U.S. are very interested in hiring through our model because they also have these. Uh, big workloads when they have to, when they just land a software project and they need to hire two or three engineers really, really fast so they can work on that project. And after that project is done, they don't need those extra engineers. So they, they want that flexibility too. So we're reaching out also besides startups to other software agencies here in the U.S. And they are all located like uh, all around from east to west. 
Yeah. Very, very nice. Do you see yourself uh, maybe looking to Europe or different, different areas of the world to, to uh, get clients? It's interesting. I, I feel like we need to focus on, on this region first. Uh, we have some competition, uh, meaning like Upwork or TopTal, that they are well positioned on Eastern Europe and, and they, they, provide, they, they are more focused on providing freelancers uh, instead of uh, agency developers. But uh, I believe that eventually uh, we have to build a platform that will be global, you know, in a certain way. So we need to be able to expand and grow. But at this moment and for the next couple of years, we will focus exclusively in the U.S. and, uh, and in, the, in the America continent at the end, right? Like in the whole region, both Americas. Very good. Um, and are you guys uh, self-funded or did you guys get any, any um, angel VC money? Are you looking for funding? Yeah. Uh, so we, we're currently bootstrapping meaning that we are reinvesting all the revenue that we're generating each month. But we're currently looking to raise uh, our pre-seed round. We, we stopped that process because by the end of the year, by the end of last year, we reached out to a lot of angel investors and early stage VCs, and they all asked for more traction. And then we decided like, hey, we should focus exclusively on generating more, more sales, more, 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 more traction. And then we reached back to them. And now we, we have a significant traction there. We're selling a little bit over $50,000 per month. Uh, and we, we decide that it's time for us to, to, to reach back to, to those investors and, and, and just provide an update right, on our current status. Well, very good. That's awesome. Any investors listening, uh, please, uh, please check <laughs> it out. I appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, getting kind of close to the, to the conversation here, the end here, a um, few final questions for you. Um, I guess I mean, you've been an entrepreneur for a while uh, and you worked on a few different companies. What, what kind of advice would you give to a young entrepreneur getting started? Right. Uh, well, the first advice that I will give is start now. It is, it is very, 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 very important to start as soon as you can. Because even though that you might be studying at this moment or you might have another job, a full-time job, it is important to pursue your, your dreams in a certain way. Like uh, start your business today instead of tomorrow because there's a, a very, very strong force uh, that compounds when you start working on your project. You know, like uh, you start realize that things are not as, you, as it was supposed to be. You know, like you, you, you think a lot, you make a lot of, uh, I don't know, you, you thought that things will be different, but then you realize that the market always behave in different manners and, and people not always respond as you expected. So the sooner you get out to the market and start talking with users and start talking with people, uh, the sooner you will be on the right track, right? Like uh, you will be building something that people really want. And that's the most important part that you that you should do as an entrepreneur: build something that people really want. So, so yeah, I I I will advise all these young entrepreneurs to start now. And to, it doesn't matter if the, it's too crazy or if it's, it seems too hard. Start easy. Uh, starting is the the most difficult part. Then you just have to to keep going. Very good advice. Very good advice. Um, <laughs> And to wrap up here, um, final question is, what's your favorite restaurant in Austin? Right. Good question. Uh, my favorite restaurant is Mozart's. 
which is by the by the lake. Well, and you know, like uh, the the river. So yeah, yeah I, I really like that place. It's, it's pretty pretty good. If you wanna go to grab some food or to read a book there, I I, I recommend that place a lot. Great atmosphere, great place, uh, good recommendation. And then finally, um, if folks want to learn more about you uh, or Symbiosis, uh, how can they how can they find you or your company online? Right. So our website is symbiosis.team. Um, and it's symbiosis, like the Spanish version. So it's with an I instead of a Y, uh, the, the first part. And also you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm always co- connecting with people there. I'm as Jorge Omar Alvarez. Uh, I will I will also send my my LinkedIn uh, account there, so so you can you can add me, and please feel free to also send me a, an email anytime at Omar at symbiosis.team. I'll be more than glad to 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 answer any any questions there. Excellent, Omar. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing your story, uh, sharing your company, and uh, I wish you the best of luck. Uh, and seriously. Investors listening, please uh, look into them, check them out. And uh, any entrepreneurs looking looking for software uh, development help, uh, please check them out as well. I appreciate your time, Joseph. I, I had a lot of fun being here. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you, sir. Take care. And you too. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by our affiliate, Gemini. Gemini is a well-respected cryptocurrency exchange started by Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. If you're interested in purchasing Bitcoin, Ethereum, or other altcoins, please check out their website at gemini.sjv.io backslash moontower to learn all about it. Thank you.